You are listening to the Salty Witches Podcast. I'm your host, Mike, and I am joined tonight by Vlad. Hello. And Austin. Hello. How's everybody doing? Good. Okay, good, good. Kind of a busy day, right? Yeah. Tired. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Tonight, uh, this episode, we're going to be discussing tools. And, uh, you know, specifically the tools that uh, we commonly find being used in uh, many many spiritual traditions, I would say. Uh, many witchcraft traditions, uh, folk magic traditions, right? Because those those things often overlap, though they are different. Um, and I thought it would be kind of nice to talk to some of the people who, who follow us about, um, well, well, this, to be honest, just the tools that we commonly use. And, and I think beyond that, to actually give them some information on, on what the um, traditional purpose and maybe even a little bit of the lore around some of these tools would be, um, as that can often be very, uh, that can be relevant to our practice and why we maybe would incorporate these things in our practice, right? So let's let's talk about altars. I wanted to I wanted to throw this in there mainly because we, if we get to a point where we're we're practicing in some fashion, sooner or later we'll have some sort of an altar set up, mm. right? And it can be, there and there are different kinds of altars. Yeah. Um, and I think that a lot of us often think of the altar as a, a place that we go to do our work, but the altar is also a tool, mm. right? So what are your thoughts on that, Any, anybody? I agree with that. The altar is a tool. It is most definitely a place where we go to do our work, but it's also a place where we go to meet our spirits. Um, a lot of witches will have multiple altars. Um and a witch altar, a witch's altar is going to be different than a pagan altar. They're very, they'll, they'll be different. Um, but as a witch, the altar is a place where you go to do your work. And it is very physical and it is a tool because it is an easy access to our, to, to, to the spirits and the energies we work with. So, yeah. So often the altars do, they kind of seem to be a doorway. A doorway, an in-between place, right? Now, Vlad, you and I were talking earlier about this, you know, about altars specifically, and you you kind of mentioned, I think all, all, all of us can, you know, have a similar practice here, but um, but you mentioned the different altars that you keep. Yes. Um, for example, uh, I have my, my main altar, altar where, you know, I have my, my deities, and uh, I do workings or rituals usually for me and the people that are close to me. And then I do also have a working altar, you know, um, and, and usually I use that altar for uh, uh, different uh, rituals and uh, spell work that I'm going to do for maybe other people okay. and also for more seasonal things, right? I keep my, like my personal altar very dedicated to the deities I work with, but that altar in, in, in particular is more like a working one. I would do different things with it, not just a ritual spell, but also seasonal. Okay. All right. Exactly. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. So, so could, do we all kind of agree, like as far as like the lore, the, 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 the real reason that an altar can be a, you know, a, an important thing, an important tool to utilize is that it really, it does, it kind of gives us a focus. It gives us a space to really do our work. Right. Mm -hmm. and, yes. Okay. All right. Okay. So. <clears throat> Let's talk about uh, let's talk about daggers. You know, I was gonna say athame, but I'll be completely honest. I don't care for the word athame. Um, you know, to me, it's uh, I I don't I, I I have mixed feelings about the use of that word, uh, mainly because for me, it seems to be like a very it's a Wiccan thing. 
Although I realize it's not just a Wiccan thing, but to me it seems very much to be caught up in that kind of ceremonial practice. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's talk about ritual daggers or athames or, I mean, really any kind of... Um, blade. Blade, yeah, blade or, or kind of like, you know, cutting implement. Um, do you guys both incorporate something like this in your practice? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> yes. Um, daggers, as a traditional witch, daggers should be sharp. They should be able to cut things. They are a knife. They serve a practical purpose. Mm-hmm. However, with the rise of Wicca, we had this idea that your athame should never cut any physical thing. Mm-hmm. It should never draw blood. It should never carve a candle. Blah, 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 blah. And it's quite contradictory to the very nature of that tool and spirit of that uh, of that dagger mm-hmm. um, I was a bad little Wiccan when I was Wiccan and I used my dagger to cut things because logic dictates that sharp things cut things no, so again Vlad you and I we were discussing uh, tools earlier oh we have a we have a, an emergency vehicle in the background hopefully that didn't didn't hit up hit the recording um we were talking about this also earlier, yeah. um, and and one of the things I want to kind of give you a chance to talk about a little bit is um, the practicality of tools. And I think this is a good place to kind of bring that in because, you know, what is more <clears throat> practical to many of the practices, that, you know, the craft that we you know, that we all do as witches, um, than a dagger. I mean, you'll use that for countless things. Yeah, and, and if we look at different traditions, different cultures, and uh, uh, talking a little bit about the lore behind you know, uh, a dagger or any kind of blade. Uh, you got to realize that sometimes people look, oh, I, you know, I need a dagger. Right? I need a dagger. And uh, there are some cultures that they actually did not use a dagger. They, they would use a small axe okay. because that was what was available, right? And at the same time, let's just say that I, you don't find uh, a dagger that you want to use. And let's just say you have scissors. Pick up your scissors and use them as a dagger. Right? You want to cut cut something or, or, or just to use it as uh, uh, because not only daggers are used for cutting things, but also they are used for uh, as a wand. Mm. Right? Because they direct energy. <clears throat> they direct hand. energy. Yes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's not only about the, the, you know, the physical side, but also the ener- more energetic one. Mm-hmm. So whatever you have, you know, that is able to cut even your hands yeah. can be served, you know, can, can, can be used almost like with the same practicality as a dagger. Okay. Yeah. All right. Like in, in our tradition, like in our coven tradition, we, we do work with a dagger. Wands are not as common in our tradition, I find. They never really have been. You know, we do, we do have members of the coven who use wands, but that's, I think, really kind of like a personal kind of choice. But, well, um, it's a case-by-case working. Yeah. True. You know, if we, we're doing healing work, yeah. we're probably going to use it. Yeah. In, in, our, in our tradition, the dagger, the blade of the dagger, um, and really, I guess, the, the reason that we employ that tool specifically, or the way that we employ that tool specifically, is to assert a boundary. The blade of the dagger is considered to be a... As well as Vlad was just saying, a cutting point, um, and it, but it's not so much about cutting to 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 you know like just to cut. It has a bit more to do with like actually being able to assert boundary or drawing a line, perhaps, right? And so, but I know that's one of the things that I've seen um, 
you know, that is, is particular to our tradition, and I know others as well. Um, and I think that's a bit of information that often kind of goes missing. A lot of people think, again, like, oh, I've got a diagram, I'm going to use it to cut things. And it's like, no, it, it's, it does mean more than that. It is used for other things. Yeah, so. Well, <clears throat> and you wanted me to talk a little bit on Wiccan concepts with, with some of these tools. Mm -hmm. um, so in Wicca, the, the, the athame mm -hmm. and the sword are separate tools. Um, the athame, everyone will usually have one. There will be one centrifugal athame that will be utilized as, for, for the coven if you're working in a group. Mm -hmm. But most of the time nowadays, everyone kind of has their athame. They use them to evoke. So you use them to, to call your quarters. You'll use them as one part of your circle casting. Um, however, the blade or, or the, the sword is used to assert dominance. It is used to assert dominance in the circle is usually, is usually, at least in my coven, um, it was used to, for the high priestess to assert dominance. That was, okay. that was her. Is that dominance over fellow, like, human coveners or dominance over spirits? Both. Okay. It was to show her position and it was because when you're working in, in that capacity and you're calling in those spirits, that blade gives you authority. It gives you the ability to say yes, no, or to banish. Okay. It also will serve as a representation of where the circle starts and where the circle will end. Okay. 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 Well, my understanding is, is Wicca, because of the... Here, here I'm, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shit on Wicca. And I, re I really didn't want to do this, but... We, we understand now, looking historically at Wicca and at the, the people behind the creation of Wicca and the information that they kind of threw together um, around that, that these kinds of tools, specifically daggers, swords, athames, these kinds of things, um, also are supposed to be representations of basically a penis, mm -hmm. right? This is, the, is, is a representation of divine masculine, the phallus of the god, mm -hmm. right? Um, and that would also be something I think that would um, be worth, you know, that's good knowledge to have, mm -hmm. you know, in, in looking at that, particularly in, with how you, you know, people who are listening, how you might feel that particular tool fitting into your own practice. So um, is that true? Did I, am I understanding that incorrectly, yes. Austin? Okay. All right. Okay. Yes. I mean, obviously it's phallic. Most of the mm -hmm. time when, when we're looking at the athame, that's going to be more phallic than the mm -hmm. sword would be, even though the sword is phallic. Mm-hmm. Um, the sword is mainly used in those types of rituals to uh, conjure and contain and banish. Okay. So while the athame will not be used to cut anything. Um, but to evoke. But to evoke, kind mm -hmm. of. Um, it'll be used to... The athame is used to direct energy like a wand. Okay. But with more... Ferocity, I guess. Okay. Um, and then, we are going to discuss wands here in a few moments, but and okay. then the sword is—you'll actually use that to mark the circle on the ground traditionally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you if you know uh, thinking of it, that you, so one is to bring in bring in basically something, and the other one would be to keep at bay. Yes. And like you said, banish, just mm -hmm. repel. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. So again, this this also brings back up or back back to the point for me at least. It, you know the concept of practicality. You know uh, these types of of highly ceremonial traditions like Wicca is. You know there are others, but 
you'd have practitioners who would, you know, they'd have the luxury of like, I have a dagger for this. I have a dagger for this. I have a dagger for this. I have a sword for this. You know, when we look at something like older, like traditional folk practices, right, you would probably have maybe like one dagger and that would be what you would use, mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, and, you know, and that, that again, I think to me is another example of um, practicality, necessity. Well, well I'm going to give you another example. Well, within uh, the more uh, Latin American traditions mm -hmm. and uh, with this, I'm including uh, also the African traditions like okay. Yoruba and Orishas. Yeah. They don't use daggers or swords. They use machetes. Yeah. Okay. Right, and yeah. that actually is used for different things, not only to cut. Mm -hmm. Usually, machetes are usually more for rituals when we, when they're going to do a sacrifice. Okay, right, yeah. but also uh, machetes are used uh, uh, um, not to establish a boundary, like you guys were saying with with, mm -hmm. with the dagger. Yeah, but more to keep uh, to keep in whatever was mm -hmm. called or summoned. Oh, and sometimes. Right. It's also as uh, to establish some sort of dominance okay. uh, over whoever you were working with, okay. not necessarily a spirit or uh, or any kind of deity, yeah. but more when it was uh, let's just say a cleansing. So the machete would be establish dominance to whatever you were you you're taking out or you removing mm. from that person or the place. Okay, so comparable to the sword, in in a Wiccan ceremony. Mm -hmm. Okay. What about, just really quickly before we move on, what about um, the Boleen, which is another particular dagger, a dagger with particular purpose within Wicca? The Boleen is used to cut. Okay. So in Wicca, the Athame is supposed to be a black hand. It's, it's in, before it gained the name, the popular name Athame, it was just known as the black-handed ritual knife, the black-handled ritual knife. Okay. So the Athame would traditionally have a black handle and it would be double-edged. Okay. The Boleen would be white-handled mm -hmm. and would usually have one serrated edge because mm -hmm. um, you would use that to cut and harvest your herbs. You'd use that to cut your candles, cut cords. Um, if you were cutting hair for a particular ritual, you'd use that. Um, so so the Boleen is the physical knife. Gotcha. It is, okay. it, it, it is more akin to the goddess, whereas the god is more athenae. Athenae. Okay. Okay, Vlad, I would like you to talk about this one first because the the cauldron, okay? And I'm going to kind of, um, you know, these are, I guess the easiest way to say it is like, is the receptacles, right? So cauldrons, chalices, cups, um, even the mortar of a mortar and pestle, like these are all things that really in some sense kind of serve um, similar purposes, at least yeah. in the process of ritual work. But yeah. I'd like you to talk about this because I know within... Um, again, like Latin spiritual culture, yeah. Latin American spiritual cultures, um, I, I, our traditions, um, cauldrons have like very specific purpose. Like, yes. Like those, can you, can you share some of that or oh, talk about that? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, with a more, uh, Latin and African American, uh, uh, um, cauldrons are more, uh, uh, like a home, mm. right? Okay. There are a home. Uh, for example, if you are uh, working uh, like Spiritista or Santero mm -hmm. or anything like that, you usually are going to have uh, some sort of cauldron. And usually when you have a cauldron like that, it doesn't represent, it, it, it's not necessarily like witchcraft. Mm -hmm. It's not like the birth of things. It's more uh, like where you give 
uh, offerings mm -hmm. where you put workings in. So whatever spirit you're working with or uh, will interact with that working that you do. Okay. That you were uh, that you did. Yeah. Um, also, you have this other the more more uh, on, on the witchcraft the iron um, um, on cauldron, and it's usually works. He's used to work with the with that spirit, with the spirit okay. of the dead, right? right? And uh, not dead familiars necessarily, but you can. But it's more specifically uh, to what I what I would call the divine dead. Okay. Right. The divine dead. Right, those were spirits that were alive at some point. They, those, those spirits, had to be alive. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily human life, though. Okay, had to be alive. And then you work with that and that specific cauldron. In that cauldron, uh, you will burn things in. In that specific one, you burn things in. In the other one, you could offer food, mm. but you don't cook it in it. Oh, all right. You just give. Okay. okay. All right. Okay. All right. So, and I think I love hearing these kinds of things because um, I think uh, to think of a, something like a cauldron as a, a home, yeah, or a holding space for um, you know spiritual powers, these kinds of things. I think that's something that you don't really see. Um, I don't think that's a concept that you see in more like Eurocentric kinds no, of, I, of, of tradition. Exactly, and let's just say that you just like uh, there's a mixture of things. See, this is you know why I also find this interesting. Uh, you get a cauldron and, and and you are creating its spirit because within those mm. traditions you can actually create its spirit. Mm. Okay. Right? Or yeah. you can go and look for one too, right? Mm -hmm. You will give it a home. Okay. Right? Yeah. And you put it in those cauldrons, okay. right? Um, um, and I also, uh, I think I failed to mention, and I just want to bring it up really quickly, within different uh, indigenous traditions, you know, they uh, they do have something that is almost like uh like a cauldron it's more mm -hmm. like a jar you okay. know and it serves different purposes this is what you see when you go to uh indigenous burial grounds more to the central america mm -hmm. you see that in a lot of burial grounds a lot of altars you see a lot of jars mm -hmm. like uh um 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 in inside those jo those jars you see different things you know you can see food you can see gold you can see things, okay. and even and uh, you know uh, things like uh, uh, to help them in uh, in the other world. Okay, you know yeah. in the spirit world. Okay, all right. Yeah, and that particular practice is something I think that is a little more universal because yes. you'll see that in other. Like, I mean, I know that was something that you would see ancient Egypt. I mean, even even like Eastern European cultures, yes. you would find that in, in burial sites. You know, they still do. They yeah, and even the Native American sites yeah. too. Yeah, 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 yeah. So all right, yeah. So in our tradition. You know, or the tr tradition behind our coven, you know, the cauldron is for us um, supposed to be symbolic of the the womb of creation, right? It's kind of like it's the it's the potential of all. You know, it's kind of like the the the, the void, mm -hmm. or, or you know, where where everything kind of kind of comes from, or is a representation of that in ritual anyway. Um, you know, and that's kind of how we work with the cauldron, right? What we put in is is usually kind of an indication, or a, would somewhere be along the lines of what we would like to see kind of come back out mm -hmm. as far as what we are creating. Right, is kind of the idea. Um, what would what would you see based on, on some of the traditions you've been involved with, Austin? How, how could you maybe see, or, or what other ways would you see, not just cauldrons perhaps, but even, you know, again, chalices, you know, other types of, of cups or bowls. In some traditions, bowls are commonly used, you know, for things. Um, Strangely enough, the cauldron in Wicca, while, it's, while, while it was there, 
and it was prevalent. Um, it was usually used as a container for what's considered the need of the bell fire, okay. um, which is where you'll get a lot of your source of light from. It's also um, <clears throat> akin to the flame that burns at Sabbath, okay. essentially. So the cauldron was kind of a modern take on bonfire. Yes. Okay. Um, did it represent the moon with the goddess? Yes, it did. The cauldron in, in Wicca always represents the goddess. Um, however, you would be more apt to see the use of the chalice to represent the goddess. Okay. Uh, particularly when we, when, when, when Wicca started moving away from traditional great rite workings, mm -hmm. um, where the high priest and the high priestess would uh, have ritualistic sex with them, each other or a coven member, mm -hmm. and moving more into the this is the phallus, you know, which is the blade. The, sim the symbolic. The symbolic grip, right? representation of that act with the kind of the union of the... Yes, the chalice and the blade. Okay. Um, I have also seen at Samhain time when we would, when I celebrated that as a, as a Wiccan, as part of the coven, um, we would actually turn the cauldron upside down and it would represent mm -hmm. the burial mound. Okay, yeah. So I'm familiar with that. I've I've seen that in practice, and actually in my own work, working as a witch, I've done that, where I've tipped a cauldron upside down as a form of bind, mm -hmm. to be able to kind of like contain, but in kind of a more, you know, kind of a more sinister kind of a way, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So okay. Um, bowls, uh, you will see, will usually house some sort of element. Uh, you'll usually have your bowl of salt. You'll have your bowl of water. You'll have your bowl that you will burn your incense in, so your censer usually. Mm. Um, and then usually you'll have something to hold fire. Okay. Um, usually, traditionally, a candle. Um, you want them to be made of natural materials. I've seen people use plastic, and I'm like, why are you using Yeah, I'm not sure why anybody would ever try to incorporate plastic tools into their witchcraft work. That just, I'm not saying don't do it. But I'm saying, like, over time... That, I'm saying that don't do that. seems like that would be an issue of, like, durability. Also, like, plastic melts. I, you know, I mean... And yeah, I want to add no to that. Charge. And I, I want to add to that. Let's just say that you, for some reason, you don't have anything else. And all you have is plastic. Mm -hmm. And it's okay if you use plastic mm -hmm. for one that one spell that one working. Remember, we're talking about practicality. Yes. So you yeah. will use whatever you have in the moment. But that doesn't mean that... That should be your practice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, you, you can go to the dollar store and, and find, you know, like something that would be, I think, much more suitable, right? Mm -hmm. it yeah. Your tools do not have to be expensive to be to be mm -hmm. powerful, to hold power and to work. Well, I mean, traditionally, you're supposed to make your own blade. Yeah, yeah, which is interesting, you know, because I think traditionally a lot of these tools would have been hand forged, mm -hmm. or would have been, been artisanally crafted by the practitioner. Mm -hmm. um, and Or just cut of stone. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, and all I can say is who in this day and age has the skill and the time to do that kind of work, right? Um, so I guess that's another good point, you know, though that would be something that would be seen to be traditional. And I think it's fair to say it would mm -hmm. still be good mm -hmm. if you could craft a tool of your own. <laughs> My favorite is the FMA. But you do not have to. It was right? supposed to not be shiny. The what? The what? The athame wasn't supposed to be shiny. Oh, really? Yeah. What was the, what was the purpose of that? Don't know. That oh, was just right. traditional. Okay. I, I'm assuming because it would reflect energy away uh, instead of actually using it to control it. Oh, I see. Okay. All right. Okay. You you touched upon this a moment ago. Let's 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 go here real quick. We're um, sensors. It's a term. It's a word a lot of people don't 
hear anymore, like sensor, at least in the context of, you know, burning incense mm -hmm. sensor. Um, Austin, I think that's, that, to be honest, I think that's something ritualistically that you're once again going to find in more like high magic, mm -hmm. ceremonial kinds of practices, you know. Um, but what would, what would the purpose of incorporating something like that into your work be? Uh, safety. <laughs> to contain the hot coals um, while you're burning your incense or your herbs on it. Um, but also because in ceremonial magics, um, your ceremonial magics and in Wicca, you're most likely going to be casting some sort of circle. Whether that is to contain or to protect, circles are used to contain. Don't come for me. I've already done a TikTok on it. Um, and so part of the act of casting a circle traditionally as a Wiccan is you will actually sense the space. And it's to cleanse, but it's also to charge. Um, you'll have a particular instance that you're using to actually create a sacred space and to actually give that space a particular charge for your working. Uh, I remember when I was going through my training, every working I had to make my own incense, and that's probably why I'm good at making incense now. It was good knowledge, right? Good practice. Um, and so, so that's what the sensor is for. It's used to contain heat. Um, it is also representative of the goddess, but it's also representative of the breath of the goddess. Oh, all right. So, so Vlad, so this particular tool, um, how would something like this be used? Would it be used? Like, is this something that you would commonly find in, in again, like say, like Latin American or not necessarily Latin swing. American practices, but but some of the, some of the traditions that you're familiar with? I mean, um, would you see that this would be something that would be also a common tool in some of those other practices? I guess what I'm saying is less Eurocentric practices. Well, um, at least with the uh, there are some practices, right? Uh, the, for example, uh, the practice of the Arawak Taino. Okay. <clears throat> Right, mm -hmm. um, they are uh, um, there are some uh, some vases mm -hmm. and some platters that okay. may be used like that, and this is just for that, oh. right? But those are usually used for spirit journey. Okay, right. There would be one specific that it would it would be for spirit journey that would be more uh, a more open hmm. uh, kind of like uh, maybe platter or okay. something like that, more oh. open. Yeah, right. Uh, and uh, if we are doing, we obviously we in uh, in my traditions we do not do casting circles or anything mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. But we would create a barrier uh, around the village or around the sacred space that we call uh, that is called bate. Okay. Um. Um. Uh, so we can keep the, the the spirits within and not without. Oh. Mm -hmm. All right. Okay. Cool. All right. Which is how I was taught in, in Wicca as well. You, you, you'll see that traditional Wicca, it's not that you are setting up a shield mm -hmm. to protect from outer influences as much as you are creating a containment vessel. And that's in Wicca, you learn that one of your tools is the circle. Okay. Yep. Yeah, well, also, you know, there are. Well, some of this fear really yeah well above and below. there are some of this you know the, the, the this tool specifically that also is used for veneration mm -hmm. you know okay. uh, um, um, also uh you know uh to give okay. and uh, uh to give uh on a specific incense not only to protect or contain or no it's more of a you know this incense is for you or this uh, resin is for you specifically or 
even just, you know, blood. Okay. Yeah. You know. So it would be you. It would say it would be would be fair to say that a particular sensor or or something that was utilized for like for burning and to hold heat. I mean, that could be something that could be consecrated to a particular spirit. Yes. Like, and you only use this. Yeah. For, you, yeah. Yeah. For okay. this specific right. spirits okay. with the Mayan tradition, after they cut off the heart mm -hmm. of the uh, of, of of the sacrifice, mm -hmm. uh, most of the time that it it would be placed on a platter mm -hmm. where it would burn. Okay. Okay. Right. And that that platter, that sensors, yeah. sensors, it, it would be basically just for that. Okay. It would not be used for anything okay. else. That would, that, would, that would make sense. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, okay. This one is another one that for me, it seems like really, again, kind of an, an issue or a matter of practicality. And, you know, but um, like plates and these kinds of things, you know, we were just talking about platters that are used in, mm -hmm. in some of the traditions Vlad was just sharing. But I know once again in ceremonial magic and within the realm of Wicca that we see something that would be a, a pattern, mm -hmm. an altar pattern. Mm -hmm. So can you can you elaborate on that a little bit, Austin? Why why would somebody want to, to utilize first of all, I guess maybe what is it? Okay. And second, why would someone want to bring something or consider using something like that on their altar? A pattern once it has been consecrated and 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 uh made holy as it were because okay. there's an entire process of consecration that happens when when you're consecrating your tools in wicca um <clears throat> uh it then is representative of the power of spirit okay so you have representations of earth in the forms of salt blessed dirt rocks leaves whatever fire obviously candles stuff like that incense air and then water you'll usually have some vessel of water on the altar. The pattern itself can be representative of earth because it is usually a pentacle, but a lot of the times the pattern will also be a symbol of the coven or the tradition you're working with. Mm. Um, but the altar, the, the, the altar pattern is also used to charge things. So okay. upon that, um, during during ritual, you will place your your wine or your mead ah. or your drink. Okay. So it can, the, 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 the powers that you're calling will be pulled into the center and focused there. Okay. Um, you'll put things like your, uh, your athame on there to charge it. Or, um, if you're working something particular, like if you're using acorns in a spell with your coven, then you'll put the acorns on there to help pick up mm. that charge. All right. Um, so it's used to charge because it represents, uh, the divine authority of spirit over all elements. Oh, all right. Um, because they're all connected. So it pulls everything to the center and helps okay. focus. It also acts as an anchor for the magic and it acts as an anchor for um, for the for the energy and the focus of the ritual. It's the center. Okay. Right. Cool. Thank you. All right. So it's so, so weird that I'm talking about Wicca. I know, I know, I know. And I, I know we I keep coming back to you for information on this, but I watch we're gonna hit things and I'm gonna be like, I'm oath bad. I can't it's, talk about it's that. It's important <laughs> it's it's important I think to talk about these things because you know I want to I want to make sure that our listeners get you know, like a, like a well-rounded kind of understanding of, of these things. Because, you know, very often people, particularly when they're new, you know, uh, they'll go and they'll pick up a book and, and the book, depending on the tradition in which it was written, will be like, you need all of these things to be a witch. And, you know, and, you know, we all know that most of the time, that's bullshit. Mm -hmm. Yes. You need um, all those things to be a part of that so, specific it, tradition. Exactly. But even then, even then, there are ways around those things, right? You don't, you don't need to have some of these items. These are all, many of them, like these are 
matters of choice, right? And again, practicality, which is going to take me back to to again plates along the lines of a, of a patent. I would think something like like altar plates would be something yes. that would be that's a pr- you know pretty yeah. common. You'll pretty, keep your cakes on pre- there. exactly right. That's a pretty clear like you know like these are, are ritualistic items that we use basically to hold right mm-hmm. to display and to hold things. Yeah, like uh, um, so. um, I have a, a a plate that is I specifically use uh, for Hecate. Okay. I have another plate that I specifically use for Santa Muerte. Okay. And for all the spirits that I work with, I kind of have, you know, maybe it's not a plate, but maybe it's a bowl. Yeah. Right? That yeah. that is what I, you know, if I'm going to do offerings or even if I'm going to use, if I'm, I'm going to cast a spell specifically with uh, with, um, um, with Hecate. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, we're using her energy and, 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 and inviting her in the working. I Whatever I use for the spell, I will put within the plate. Okay. And also it's very yeah. practical. Because, you know, it's a mess that is easier to clean. Yeah, that's that's true. That's true. Well, I think a lot of the time, you know, this is something that is, um, I think you'll hear this a lot in, uh, like, you know, folklore, primarily. I don't, I don't know how much of this is really inherent to witchcraft. Though, though it would make sense to me as well. But one of the things that we see with, you know, like plates that are used for ritual, daggers that are used for ritual, is these were also items that you could just kind of just have around the home and no one would be any the wiser, right? No one yes. would think like, oh, you use this dagger when you ritually do whatever. Do you, mm-hmm. This particular plate is something that you reserve for offerings to your spirits. Right? You know, it would be easy. I could see where like if, you know, for some reason somebody happened to, you know, get access to your home or was wandering through where you could be like, oh, nothing nothing weird going on here, right? You know, and we, yeah. we live, you know, fortunately we live more in a world now where we don't have to be as fearful, at least yeah. in some areas. Well, but, you know, back in the day, you know, yeah. like witch hunts and things, you would you probably wouldn't want somebody to find all of these, these weird tools that you had, right? Yeah, and even right now, how many of us, you know, have gone to the kitchen, I need a plate. Oh yeah, and oh, we yeah, just grab the yeah, the, yeah the, exactly. a plate or yeah. a cup or whatever, yeah. Yeah. you know, yeah. because you don't have to wait for it the next day. Well, I have to go and get you know, uh, 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 I I gotta go to the witch store and, and and get this specific plate with this specific mm-hmm. working, because yeah. that's not how witchcraft works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unless you're working with a particular spirit who's requesting it. Uh, yeah, definitely. Well, yeah, and that and that that. But that's once happen. again different, and that yeah. goes more into ceremonial and high magic. Exactly, that, that does happen. All right, let's. Let's talk about bells. I mean, bells. You know, bells is one example, but you know, but I also I have, I have drums mm-hmm. that I'd like to talk about as well because these are, uh, you know, these are these are things that we in a in a more contemporary mindset associate with music, certainly, right? But these are also things that have really powerful ritual and, yeah. and magical properties. So how would you guys use or incorporate bells into your work? For a domination spell. Okay. And for uh, uh, basically have no peace spell. Okay. All right. And usually they're, like you said, they're kind of people think about them like just for healing. Yeah. And oh, yeah, yeah, you can use them for all kinds of things. Yeah. yeah but you can so. use it for more ma- baneful magic. Yeah. I use like a doorbell. Like a doorbell? Yeah. A doorbell for my spirits. Okay. Oh. So, so like the, like like as like an announcement kind of is that what you're talking about or kind of um, without revealing too much about my practice. Um, we know all your secrets. We Austin. know your secrets. Yeah, we're sick. we're in sync. <laughs> we were just like what? <laughs> it, it really is like ringing a doorbell when I'm working a formal working where I'm actually not just kind of 
like, I'm gonna get this done and hustling and bustling around and I'm actually like playing this out. I got this done. I utilize a bell to call attention to specific spirits. Mm. Um, I also will knock. Okay. So that's to kind of like mark. Yes. Right. Or to, to like, to, to again, again, kind of say like, notice yes. this. Um, okay. My, I, I will also clap. It depends. If I'm working at home, I have a particular bell mm. that I inherited that I will use. If I'm anywhere else, I'll knock or I'll just clap. Man. You know, um, three times to open, four times to close. Okay. Mm. Which is another kind of wicked thing, isn't it? Kind of, except for you'll ring it three times to open and three times to close. I, I think it's interesting because in, in our coven tradition, like, we we clap to signal, like, the end of something. Like, yeah. Boom, yeah. like, we're done. Yep. All right. So I just think that's kind of funny how those things kind of overlap different practices, you know, and certainly in, in slightly different ways. Mm-hmm. So I, I like to use bells for wards. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I think the, yeah. the, the sound of a bell is something that is... Um, yeah. yeah, we all have wind chimes. Yes, exactly. And that's just exactly. kind of like, it's kind yeah. of like bell. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we all have wind chimes, you know, and we use them for guarding and protection. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think it's funny because if you look at, again, at different spiritual practices, um, like years ago, I had a friend who uh, got really into feng shui as a spiritual practice. And um, she was telling me that um, wind chimes will commonly be used in feng shui to disperse negative energy. Like they'll hang them in very strategic places to disperse sha or, or negative energy. Yeah in their practice. And so it's, it's interesting to me once again, that this is something that you see kind of carrying over many different traditions, you know, and people who do feng shui would never say, Oh, I'm a witch. Cause that's, you know, cause that's not part of the tradition. Yeah. Right. But, um, you know, like they're, they're trying to get rid of the influence of which are of witchcraft. Right. Because you know, witchcraft is evil. Well, or something. And, if, but, and if you go to Christianity, they mm-hmm. use bells. Yeah, that, yeah that's well, true. Specifically, yeah. specifically the Catholic church. Yeah. yeah and church that bells. has a meaning. Yeah. It's not just because of the sound. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it, 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 it specifically for, uh, uh, okay, within the Catholic Church, there are many branches. Mm-hmm. But uh, the main, uh, let's just say the central uh, um, um, beliefs in the Catholic Church, like mm-hmm. uh, every time you ring a bell, it's not only cleansing, but it's also inviting the, 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 the Holy Spirit in. Yes. Yeah. 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 All right. Cool. All right. Um, what about... Paper. We, 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 we incorporate papers a lot in, I think, our working, right? We talk a lot about things like petition papers. Name papers. Name papers, you know. I mean, and it's not that, you know, I mean, you see that in other traditions. You know, you'll see parchment and things like that. But you can do a lot with paper as a tool. And I know that that might seem to some people like, well, that's kind of an odd thing. But, I mean, think of how we've incorporated paper into our lives in very mundane ways, you know, and how using paper in the same ways magically you know, can kind of be a little bit of a, of a boost or an oomph. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You, um, you, 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 being practical, you can make a puppet mm-hmm. out of paper. Yeah. 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 Or ri- write out your intent. Right. Like I think, I think every, every beginner, witch has probably at some point done the, I'm going to write what I want on this piece of paper and then throw it into a fire. Right. Kind of, kind of wishing spell kind of thing. That seems to be a pretty common one when we're all new and young. Right. Um, and so, in the water. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was talking about this actually on a social media post that I did uh, about a week or so ago where I was talking about how to decipher um, who might potentially be working against you and how one of the methods of doing that was to throw bits of paper with the possible names 
of you know who could be an enemy into water and yeah. then like then you know and then there are different ways to determine oh, it. like yeah. like with the one that sinks first is the one that's you know or i mean the other ways too there were other ways to interpret or to divine that that is yeah. something what you just said there yeah. is something that was it's carry on within actually a lot of hispanic families oh yeah and okay. usually they do that but they do that at night Okay, yeah. You go to sleep and you have a, mm -hmm. a, a glass with yeah. water and you throw the papers and you just go to sleep. Yeah. And you wake up and yeah. whichever was on top, mm. that was it. There you go. Yep. There you go. And also for love. Yes, yes, to determine like who your future <laughs> yeah. love would be. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's kind of funny how we see this like a, yeah, these these very different purposes with it, but the same the same process. So okay. So Austin, what can you think of a, a, a way that you would incorporate paper into? Your craft or that you do incorporate paper into your craft i mean i write down my spells okay sometimes anything else you keep a journal right a book of shadows no i have a grimoire a grimoire okay um i use a lot of name papers a lot of petitions yeah. um <clears throat> i actually just made a uh, a sympathetic poppet on monday Okay. For a particular working I'm doing. Well, also for scrolls, you can make you know yeah. some sort of scroll mm -hmm. like uh like a magical petition, and not necessarily for burning or for a spell. Yeah. This could be for protection. You can write it down. Mm -hmm. You know, you can write it down, and you actually can put it on a wall. Yeah. And you there you go. You have a ward right there. Yeah. You know, and you have a barrier of protection right there. You know, paper has infinite uh, yeah. uses. Yeah. You know, you can curse with it. All you have to do is write the curse and put it in someone's pocket inside yeah. a car. Yeah, that's uh, true. Or, you yeah. know, per yeah, paper for, can for be used all, for anything. For all kinds of things, yeah. Moonwillow is not with us tonight, uh, but but you also, Vlad, you're, you're in our coven. You're, you're one of the people I think that probably is, um, you do a lot of sigil work. Yeah. Right? You know, and, and again, of course, you know, what better medium, you know, for, for something like sigil work than, you know, than vapor. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, do you guys use different pa colored paper for, for different things? Sometimes. I'm just curious. Well, uh, I, I, I do. I do. So I'm just, I'm just curious. That It's kind of funny. It depends on the mood that I'm oh, okay. in. All right. Okay. I don't know. It, it, you know, I, white paper, that's fine. Okay. But depending on the mood that I'm in, mm -hmm. I sometimes I, you know, might feel like, you know, I, I, I want to use a different color. Yeah. Okay. I use browns for left-hand work and uh, other paper for right-hand yeah. work. Well, I mean, it's something that's pretty intuitive, right? Like, mm -hmm. you like, use green paper for prosperity or maybe healing workings. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 But within the Hispanic uh, community, and I still do this, mm -hmm. uh, uh, paper bags. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We used to sit. You, you go to a Hispanic mm -hmm. uh, family household. And you're gonna see that they're gonna have all the paperbacks like put in a corner. Yeah. Oh God, that, that that's like our kitchen, right? <laughs> because like, we use that for yeah. uh -huh. some workings yeah. or or things like yeah. you know whatever uh, magical yeah. purpose. But again, again, practicality, right? Yeah. You're like I'm gonna I, I'm gonna reuse this, and then I don't have to go out and try to find brown paper, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think my mother used to use butcher block paper. Oh. Okay. Um, yeah, but I don't even know if that's a thing you can get anymore. I don't even know. You know what? Do you know what I've used? What? I've used aluminum foil. Yeah. Yeah, because I I couldn't find paper, oh. and I just used some aluminum foil. Yeah, you know for 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 my workings. Yeah, yeah. I, I use aluminum foil a lot for um like candles, like when I'm doing like spell candles, like particularly for our customers. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll wrap those up in aluminum foil once they've been dressed and everything. Yeah. And you want to kind of keep everything in there. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, aluminum foil is a really good one for that. Yeah.
So, are you falling asleep over there, Austin? I'm tired. The day just hit me. Ah, okay. All right. I'm also hungry. Well, we'll we'll blast through the rest of these for you then, okay? All right. Along the lines of paper, writing utensils. I know this is one you and I talked a little bit about earlier. Yes. Because you wanted to talk about kind of the difference between, say, like a pen, you know, something that had ink. Yes. And like an actual, like a pencil. Yes. You know, so how, how would you explain the difference there? Okay. At least for me, right? Uh, every time I write something uh, with ink, with a pen, mm-hmm. uh, it has a more permanent, it's permanent. Yeah. You know, it has a permanent mark, permanent effect, and it's something that I want to last, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, every time I would use a pencil, uh, I would definitely use the, a pencil for any kind of workings that are maybe a healing work. Okay. Or something that is going to be like a temporary kind of thing. Gotcha. Okay. You know, let's just say that I'm just going to hex someone and I just want, you know, small hex. Yeah. I could use, you know, not necessarily a pen. Maybe I could use a pencil for that. Okay. And, right. Also, uh, pencils are very good, uh, um, not only for something that is temporary, but something that you want to hide. Oh, all right. Okay. Right. That would make sense. Okay. Um, it's, it's, it's very easy to draw energetically. Mm-hmm. N- not only on a jetty, but actually leave a mark on a place with mm-hmm. pencil that is going to be less noticeable. Yeah. Okay. That yeah, that, that would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to have kind of like the yeah. Yes. Ink is definitely like a boom. There's something there. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's talk about. Um, oh, oh, you know what? Let, oh, I'm sorry. Ahead, I'm it. sorry. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, also, that doesn't mean that you have to use a specific colors of ink. Oh, all right. Okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. it can work. It's good. You know, if it is, you're doing a working for prosperity and you want to use green ink, that's fine. Yeah. Right. But you don't have to. Okay. No, no, that, that's good. That's good clarification. Yeah. So I just, I just realized I, in the process of talking about some of those other things, I totally skipped over wands, using wands as, uh, as tools. You know, we, we talked about some of the other traditionals, like, you know, like daggers and cauldrons and things that I totally glossed over wands. Um, do you guys use wands? I do have two wands. But usually those wands uh, I either use for healing, mm-hmm. right? And, or I just uh, use them to maybe like gather energy, just to gather and raise energy. Okay. Not necessarily for Spectre Patronum, nothing like gotcha. that. Okay. <laughs> right. All right. Okay. Austin, I know you have a wand. Mm-hmm. Okay. I have, um, I actually have two. I have a willow wand that I'll use sometimes. Um, but my main wand that I actually work with is, uh, it's an ebony wand. Ebony wood, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I will use them to set wards, um, to gather energy, to remove energy, to transmute energy. Um, wands are fire to me. Mm. Um, and so I will actually utilize them that way. I use them to direct energy. I'm most of the time most likely going to be using them to stir things. So I will actually use my wand to stir up the bath salts okay. that I make for the shop. Or um, loose incense. Um, just to kind of give that some sort of imbue and some sort of power. Gotcha. So would you guys say that uh, a wand and a staff has similar properties? Yes. I, I would say so. I think that, um, well, and I think that uh, brooms also, yeah. I think are kind of thrown into that, that, that same, you know, wands, staves, brooms, they all um, really kind of do, do serve for pretty, pretty similar purposes yeah. in, in lots of different traditions. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, I would, I would say so. 
Um, I know one of, one of the interesting pieces of lore that I picked up in a few different traditions, including ours, again, our coven tradition, is um, the wand is considered a living tool mm. in that um, not always, but very often your wand will be made of wood of some kind. Um, and there's a kind of a, a belief or an understanding in a lot of traditions that the spirit of that particular plant, tree, whatever it is, right, the spirit of that particular plant um, is something that can be, uh, you can establish a relationship with that, the spirit of that plant, you know, and that, that relationship or that energy of that spirit is something that could still continue to kind of move through or exist in mm -hmm. some capacity in the wand that you would utilize in your work. The same would be true for something like a staff, right? Mm -hmm. um, Even an athame. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, this is something that could be possible in, for all, many of these tools, right? As long as they had something that was, uh, I think, a natural organic component. Not right? only that, uh, within some uh, traditions like the Orishas, mm -hmm. uh, staffs holds the spirit of the dead or the spirit of a saint. Okay, okay. And actually, um, um, they kind of are used almost like a, a calling, like a bell. Mm -hmm. You will hit the staff on the floor and the spirits will come in. Ah, all right. Okay. Yeah, that, that's one thing I will say is that, that is a little bit different from a wand than a staff. I will knock on my altar with my wand depending mm -hmm. on how, depending on the type of working. Because my wand is ebony, it likes to, it likes to protect and it likes to destroy. That's okay. what it likes to do. All right. Um, that's about it. Okay. Um, it does other things. Uh, it likes mixing things, like I said, but um, but I'll, I'll actually call those spirits to me. Okay. With the staff, um, a staff for me always. And this is gonna sound so weird because you you know you know you know my past and like the, the spirits that I worked with. Um, a staff always held more authority, a more authoritative feel to me mm -hmm. than a sword did. Mm. And so. Though the particular spirit that I worked with loved swords, I usually, when in ritual, would have a staff because it helps me. It, it would help me focus and hold boundary, hold space. Um, on top of that, it is representative representative of the Axis Mundi. Or the okay. Yeah. All right. Did I get ahead? No, you're good. Sorry. No, you're good. No, no, we're that's we're still that's what we're talking about. I'm trying to remember now, Vlad. Maybe you can help me with this. But one of the Orisha uh, carries a staff. Yeah, that's that, that's not that's not only one Orisha that carries okay. a staff. Um, uh, oh, I'm sorry, I said staff, but I meant I meant broom. One of them carries a broom, if I oh. remember correctly. I want to say it's uh, Chango, but I don't think that. But I don't no, think that's right. No, Chango carries machetes. Okay. Okay. Just like uh, Seven Thunders. Seven okay. Thunders carries machetes. Okay. Right. So, um, there's, um, is there is another male. Yes, spirit though that is known, and it's funny because if you read the lore and the stories around him, the broom that he carries actually is a weapon. Yeah, it's like, a weapon. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Well, okay. that's that's okay. That's okay. I the, but, the reason I brought that up is because I I think in looking at these things, these are also. Um, I think anybody who listens to this, you know, and I, I don't like making these kinds of connections because we're, we talk a lot about being able to distinguish fantasy from witchcraft because they are different things. You know, fantasy, science fiction, the, that is not witchcraft. Okay. But I don't think anybody didn't get, you know, get a, get a chill run down their spine with the Lord of the Rings movie where Gandalf is like, you shall not pass. And he like slams his staff in and, you know, and the demon falls into the shadow, right? Or whatever. Anyway. It's but, uh, uh, Obaluai. 
Okay. Yeah. Okay. But these are these are um, these are also tools. I think when you look at stabs and brooms in particular, that can be offensive in a nature, right? Like these these are things that can also be utilized as weapons, at least energetically, right? I mean, I I would hope that you weren't, you know, trying to use a broom as a weapon in a mundane sense. You know, although who knows? Well, um, uh, well, a, a broom can, can can do many many things. When you sweep the broom, depends if you if, if you sweep it from north to south or east to west mm -hmm. or, or or vice versa. Yeah. You have a you know uh, you directing or this you know dismissing energy. You can mm -hmm. do you know different yeah. things with that, yeah. mm -hmm. right? Also, just you know the 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 the, the position of the broom. Like I have an, in my house, mm -hmm. I have it next to the door. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's a very protective of, 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 of symbol or tool that I have right there. So yeah. brooms are like, you know, like you were saying that you want. It's very protective too, but also likes to destroy. So, you know, you see like similarities that not necessarily are like exactly the same. Well, within the staff, the broom, and even a walking stick. Mm -hmm. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Well, in Wicca, the broom was representative of the goddess. Okay. Um, and you would utilize it to sweep clean the, the area to mark the, the space, or you would use it to asperge. Yes. Yeah. So ritual, ritual water sprinkling. Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. So would the, what would the distinction be between the stang and a staff, Austin? The stang is representative of the horned god. Okay. Um, the stang is... The stang you're usually not going to be walking around with. Mm. In Cochran Craft, you'll walk, you'll, you'll, as you're laying the compass, you'll walk with your stang usually, I think. Mm. Um, but there's also some <clears throat> conflict around that because the stang you will put in the ground. It is representative of the horned god, the magister, the man in black. Mm. Um, and it is used as the centrifugal altar focus. Yeah. Um, so the Stang and Wicca, same thing. Okay. Because as we know, right. crossovers. Well, and a Stang, as far as like, like, those of you maybe who are listening who are not familiar with that word, a Stang, a Stang is basically in essence kind of just a forked staff, mm -hmm. right? Like it's a staff that comes up to the top and it'll have two branches that'll kind of look like horns, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of is the idea. Yeah, so, okay. Cool. Representative of the Axis Mundi, the world tree. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about um, what about needles, pins, nails. We talked a lot about like slashing and cutting things with daggers. What about stabby pokey kinds of things like like needles and pins and even and nails? I use them to set things in place. Okay. So you use them to to fix. Mm -hmm. Okay. To fix, to bind, and to trap. Okay. Right. Vlad, what about you? What are you? What are you? Well, I'm gonna agree with everything he said. Uh, I also use them for for hexing, okay. for causing pain. Okay. Um, 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 and 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 also, I would say that um, also to 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 find uh, uh, a, a more divinatory uh, purpose mm, with okay. the with the nails and pins and needle and mm -hmm. needles. Yeah. Uh, you can actually use them. Uh, um, 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 uh, this uh, it's kind of a way of you actually doing a reading. But it's more uh, within uh, when you're going to do a working. It gives you direction of oh. what the things you have to do and things like that. Okay, cool. In Wicca, you'll also use pins in one of the first workings you learn. Oh, all right. Yeah. I use them to heal. I mean, I use them for a lot of the stuff that you guys do, too. Like, I always incorporate, or well, I won't say always, but very often I'll incorporate these kinds of things into my hexes and my binds and certainly my curses. But but I'll, I'll use these 
for healing work as well. I, I find as as you guys both were kind of saying, like being able to, um, they kind of help us to focus, right? They bring things down to like a, a more like a tighter point, right, or, or more specific kind of impact for our intent. Mm -hmm. They're also the good for like um, to set well, like points of of success. Mm. So if you're putting them on a candle, like when this burns down and this this falls, that means this part of the spell is complete. When this burns down and it falls, this part's complete. Yeah. So on and so forth. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Well, also, you got to think about, you know, we all hang things on the walls, mm -hmm. you know, like magical yeah. things. Yeah. And the use of that nail that we're using to hang things up, you got to incorporate when you're doing the, you know, when, when, when you're doing that working, when you were hanging something, you should know that you're placing, like you said, hold that there, mm -hmm. keep it in the mm -hmm. wall, okay. keep it in, yeah. in this space, Yeah. Right? right? You know, not only the physical aspect, but also the energetic and the spiritual one behind whatever you're hanging. Okay. okay. It's interesting. We're talking so much about holding and fixing with these kinds of things. And I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about a lot of the people that come into the shop who have been directed usually by, well, we'll just say someone who doesn't, is not a practitioner here. Okay. Uh, but these people who have been directed to come in and purchase uh, iron spikes, like old railroad spikes oh, specifically. Yeah. And these are people that I think I still hear this being told, you know, the people come in and they say, hammer these into the ground around your property. And it can be a ward. It can be something that can help you to assert boundary in your space, which I think, you know, given the right amount of skill and intent, absolutely that could work. If done correctly. Um, but I also could see because these things have a tendency to fix and hold energies in place, that that could in essence also be trapping something mm -hmm. into that particular space. Okay, I'm going to go a little bit into this because, uh, okay, let's just say that is a new, brand new mm -hmm. uh, iron spike. Okay. I would definitely use that to create a barrier. All right. A brand new one. Okay. All right. But if it is one that has been used, mm -hmm. one that has been charged, mm -hmm. I would not use specifically that one unless, like Austin, you know what you're doing, you cleanse it and you actually put the intention, you renew the intention behind it. Mm -hmm. But still, I would not use it. Okay. Right. Uh, usually, those kind of uh, uh, of spikes, iron spikes, are used a lot, a lot to hold spirits in, mm -hmm. to bring things in, yeah. pull them in, yeah. not bring them in, pull them in. That's okay. a big difference to bringing and pulling. Okay. Um, and also to just set a curse on the land, yeah, on a property, yeah, uh, and even on a person. You can even kill somebody with one of those. Yeah. Okay. I was, I was sitting here thinking about that, just, you know, the correlation between, like, pins and needles and then thinking, like, well, in essence, that's that's basically what an, an iron spike is or, like, a railroad tie uh, or, or spike uh, is. They're just basically just, with the way people use them anyway, it's kind of like it's just a big nail in essence, right? And, yeah, so it's just funny how people use those. And I'm like, oh, God, people are not using those probably the way they should be. Um, in Conjure, there's a particular thing that, that we do... <clears throat> Iron spikes. Um, in witchcraft, you want to blood them. You'll blood your iron because mm -hmm. it will tie to the iron in you, which means if you're actually fixing those things in place, what you call and what you project will be allowed in and will be allowed out. Yeah. Not vice versa. However, in conjure, we'll actually use them to create a, 
award of sorts. You're talking like the St. Michael's yeah. talisman or the St. Michael talisman? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that's actually the first and original way that I learned about those. So when I heard about putting them in the dragon. Um, <laughs> I I was like dragon lines. We're talking Lee lines. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I'm like, what the fuck? First off, people aren't putting him putting him in correctly. They're saying corners of the property, and it's like you're not you're not thinking correctly. It's the directions. So you have people out here wandering around trying to find the actual corners of their property, and it's like, no, no, you put it north, south, east, west, because mm. that's how the energy will flow. Gotcha. Okay. You know what? You mentioned. Yeah, well, go, go ahead. Fly. No, yeah, I was gonna say, but uh, you're saying that, but sometimes you gotta look in what, who was the person that actually, you know, you know, who who advised you on this, mm -hmm. because in the within the Odisha traditions, you actually put that in the four corners of your home, not mm -hmm. north, south, west, and east. Is okay. corners of your home, mm -hmm. so you can actually uh, bring in or pull in whatever mm -hmm. it is that mm -hmm. you want to, okay. or you pull in the the spirit or whatever workings you're trying to. Mm -hmm. uh, not too long ago, I think I, I, I sent you guys a picture. I did. Uh, I went to Clancy home, and he had two spikes, two, two of yeah. those spikes there. Yeah. And he was told that they were placed there, you know, uh, to bring him prosperity, and you know, all, everything was okay. good. Yeah. When I actually look into it, and I, you know, I felt it, you know, this was from his ex. Gotcha. Okay. And no. Yeah. Hell no. As soon as I removed them. His life changed. Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah. Yeah. So again, so different different practices, different yeah. beliefs, different yeah. cultures, well, and different ways of different ways of doing it. Because mm -hmm. if you're thinking of protecting, then yeah. But if you're drawing things in, that's completely separate. Yeah. You mentioned something interesting a moment ago, talking about iron spikes. Um, you talked about blooding them. Mm -hmm. You know, and um, you know, it is probably a good thing for us maybe to mention. You know, that in many traditions, again, if you are working with uh forged iron kinds of tools and implements that it, it is a common practice to blood those items mm -hmm. you know and that's exactly what it sounds like basically you 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 yep. get a small amount of just a small amount you don't need to you know don't you know, get a whole lot of blood don't hurt yourself but uh, you know but just a small amount of blood that you would use to basically anoint those items mm -hmm. to to kind of bond them to you mm -hmm. yeah so and that that's something that is um you know, I think I think a lot of people are you know they're aware of that, but I I have that conversation a lot with people who are a little newer and they're kind of surprised. They're like, oh really? You know, and it's like, yeah. Well, it's because they've been told think by, about it. by practitioners that we never harm, we never cut, we don't hurt ourselves yeah. for our tools. Well, and we, you know, we don't want to encourage anybody to be cutting themselves, you know, unnecessarily. Yeah. But you know, but um, but yeah, but that is a common common thing. Kind yeah, of thing. it's either that or they say, oh, if you put your blood in there, somebody gets a hold of that. Yeah, you know, they they inspire a lot of fear. Yeah, true. That's true. There's always somebody out there pushing fear. All right. So, what about cloth? Like textiles, like the things that we use, you know, these are these are commonly used. Well, I mean, every tradition, but but I was just gonna say, you know, we're talking about like you know bags even or cords, these kinds of things that all kind of come down to, um, you know, like cloth and woven kinds of things. These are are common in all traditions, I would think, right? I think they're common in in a lot of traditions, right? Um, 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 there are some healers they actually use. You know, uh, a, a big piece of cloth. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, uh, curanderas. Mm 
Mm. You know, they will use a piece of cloth, you know, with certain herbs and ingredients to put on an area or just to put the herbs and just hold it in place mm. to get, right? Okay. Um, the, right here at the shop, you have the grigri brat, the bass. Yeah, yeah. Those are, yeah. you know, with a piece, uh, mm -hmm. some small piece of cloth. Yeah. Even when you're putting, uh, when you, uh, you're wearing one right now, right? No, but that's not, um, no, he's not a mojo. Got, yeah, he's yeah. got a minute. But you would traditionally, you could make mojos or flannels. Yeah, ex exactly. Yeah, so from, you know, cloth. And you know, we all, I'm sure I, I, a lot of people listening are already familiar with cords as a component of practice. Yeah, right? cords mean something not completely different, but in Wicca, they mean something just a little bit different. Mm. Cords are used to, um, signify rank. And initiation. They're like they're like belts in like karate, right? Kinda, yeah. You're like you're like you're you're a, you're a black belt now. Yeah, yeah. Traditionally. Thank you, Gerald Gardner. Um, but they are also used to mark your space. You would take it and you would basically attach it to the end of your sword, or you'd attach it to the end of your your stang or whatever, and then it would usually be nine feet in length. Mm -hmm. That later then changed to your height times two plus yeah. three. Mm -hmm. um, to like expand the circle and you'd go out to the edge and then you'd basically walk around and create a perfect circle and all that stuff um, depending on what was tied into the knots depend was your rank and your position and da, 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 da. so but cords I use a lot in actually in magic and I love it because it's so accessible mm -hmm. it's so accessible when I was um when I was in my first uh, undergrad when I was doing my undergrad, uh, my first couple of years, I had my graduation tassel from uh, high school mm -hmm. hanging from my rearview mirror. And so if I was ever just sitting in, 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 you know, in the parking lot, or if I just had a bad day and I really needed, needed to do a spell for something, I would just whoop from that graduation tassel mm. and I would utilize that. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Courts and uh, courts are, are very useful for different kinds of magics. Uh, uh, magical spells, you know, uh, uh, um, from binding to healing, uh, hand fasting. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and you can use them for, you can burn them, you can bury them, mm -hmm. you can combine them with other type of spells. Uh, not magic is one, one thing that, oh, yeah. you know, it's, yeah, yeah, I love, I love not magic. magic. Yeah. Along the lines of cords, you mentioned chains as well. Yeah. Oh so yeah. How would, how would you utilize a chain in your oh. work, Vlad? Uh, chains for trapping okay. and for setting boundaries. Okay. Um, I've used before in the past years ago, um, actually chains, uh, to trap a spirit mm. to actually to kind of like, I, I, I won't say trap, but I, I, I want to, maybe more, I bind the spirit. Um, and I, after I bind it in, in, in a specific object that I'm not allowed to say, mm -hmm. um, it was covered in in uh in chain okay but it's specifically because it would create that bound uh that that boundary and that protection around it but also boon in the ocean oh. it would sink gotcha all okay. the way down okay all right okay cool all right makes sense i use chains in in um blockbuster and on crossing spells okay so you're using them kind of more like breaking chains yep. like freeing yourself and, and being able to break away from limitation and vlad's you know using them kind of more like like noah this is about like mm -hmm. capture and holding you in place okay yeah and i can see validity in both like you know the absolutely why not all right okay 
What about, let's talk about, I want to talk, touch on just really briefly stones and crystals, because these are certainly tools that we can use, right? We can incorporate these things into our practice. Um, and, and they become, I think, in more contemporary practice, like they're, they're much more common. Mm -hmm. You see these much more commonly used. It's not that they weren't used, you know, way back in the, in the day they were, but not like they are now. Um, um, in some traditions, particularly ones like with Gunapnud, and stuff like that, mm -hmm. you would use stones that were just regular stones, nothing fancy. You weren't going out and buying Bez Kletz, Garda, Moldavite. Well, I mean, like 300 years ago, if you were, say, like a Gaelic person, you know, somewhere in the UK, you didn't have rose quartz. Nope. You had yeah. rock. You had stones. Yeah. If you were lucky, nice river stones. Um, and you would actually use them to create a breaching charm. A what charm? Breaching. A breaching charm. Mm -hmm. Okay. A breaching charm is used to essentially create a doorway between the world. Between ah, the world okay, okay. That's, that's why I kind of was like, what? Because I'm, I'm hearing this a lot on social media right now, this, this whole breaching thing. And I'm like, and there, of course, as is always the case, when someone like this throws something out there, there's a whole generation of which is it's like, oh, what's this? And it's like this is really what this is. This person is just selling it in a different way to make it sound like, you know, what they want it to mm -hmm. sound like. Anyway, that's okay. Well, I'm not going to go there. Anyway, but... The breaching charms are used to... You use particular symbols and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And so that's one of the ways you would use stones. You could use stones to sort of boundaries, to trap, to charm. Um, they're really, really great ways to charm and enchant and... Uh, mm -hmm. Uh, curse, you just put it on someone's property and they never even know. Okay. So, all right. So, okay, Vlad, because I know you do a lot of work with gridding, like these yeah. kinds of things with stones and crystals. Can you, can you explain a little bit, like, what, what would be the difference as far as, like, use for, say, something like, uh, like a polished quartz crystal and something, say, like, just like a, like a river rock? Like, how would you utilize those differently or how could you see those being used differently? Okay, well, obviously, if we're using some sort of, uh, let's just say crystal. Let's just mm -hmm. use the word crystal. Okay. Crystal, uh, there are many crystals that they, uh, they have uh, a specific correspondence. Okay. Right? Yeah. And depending the kind of grid that you're actually creating, mm -hmm. uh, well, that will depend on the crystals that you're going to use. Right? Yeah. Now, when we're talking about uh, river rocks or even sand rocks, mm -hmm. you know, uh, even though that they may have a magical correspondence behind it, you can actually use it in, 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 in different and multiple ways. Okay. Right? Uh, we can use the, the, both of them or any normal rock with, uh, uh, for healing. Okay. We can use it actually to bring someone down from power. Okay. All right. Uh, to dissolve a relationship or dissolve a partnership. Okay. Um, so when we do, when we're doing grading with like normal stones, mm -hmm. normal rocks, mm -hmm. you can actually do whatever you want without thinking about the correspondence. Okay. All right. That doesn't mean that they don't have a correspondence, oh, but yeah. it's not yeah. as specific. Gotcha. Okay. As that yeah. detail as yeah. a crystal. Okay. Well, and that makes sense. I mean, cause if you look at something like, you know, we're using the example of river rock, but River Rock is also going to contain quartz. Yes. And, you know, and, and many of the other minerals that you're going to find in some of these more polished, you know, yeah. So, okay. All right. All right. 
Okay. Herbs. I want to talk about herbs, you know, because I think a lot of people, they don't really consider herbs a tool, but but in essence, they, they are. They are a tool, right? Because we're it's something else that we can utilize, something else that we can incorporate into our workings um, that's going to bring some extra energy or, or help us to focus something, right? Which is really what all of these tools do. So they bring extra energy or they help us focus, right? So... Um, you guys have any, any personal experiences or, or knowledge that you have particularly around herbs? I'm going to back off and let you guys answer this one because I'm, I'm the herbalist here, but I, I, I want to hear how you guys do this. Well, first I want to I say that um, um, when we're talking about tools and we are talking about herbs and crystals, we were mm -hmm. talking about this earlier. Yes, yeah. Um, um, and you have uh, uh, any other kind of tool, mm -hmm. right? Uh, when you are using uh, a dagger or uh, or a sword, you kind of put your energy into it. You say, mm -hmm. you know, you you blood, you you yeah, you, you yeah. blood it, right? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of your extension. Gotcha. Right. Okay. Yeah. When we are using an herb or a crystal, mm -hmm. you know, it has its its own spirit. It's, yeah. it's basically kind of a, an organic kind of kind of being okay right yeah so you got to understand also that then, then the relationship that you create with maybe your dagger is not going to be the same relationship that you're going to create with you uh, with, with an herb or mm -hmm. a crystal because it has different origins right mm -hmm. and talking a little bit about more uh, about herbs specifically when i use herbs obviously i use them for anything. I use them for banishing. I use them for protecting. I use them for spells. I, I, I use it for dressing a candle. Uh, uh, I use them for eating and yeah. bringing oh, yeah. in yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, whatever uh, uh, magical working I want to do or to for someone else. Yeah. But yeah, um, 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 herbs are, are another tool, but it's basically a tool that it's alive. Yeah. Cool. All right. Austin's half asleep, so we're going to we're going to move forward. Let's talk a little bit. I have a few other examples, kind of like like on a on a notepad here of other things, you know. But I, you know, rather than maybe continuing to to go into all of these things, you know, I think maybe it would be good for us just to kind of wrap on. Um, anything can be a tool. Yeah. Right? I mean, really anything. You know. I mean, we we've listed off some that are more common. You know, uh, historically, yeah. you know, culturally, you know, we've listed off, you know, quite a few that are more common that you're going to find a lot of information and reference on out there, you know, uh, but really anything can be a tool. Yeah. Even something man-made. Yeah. It can, it can be used, um, um, as a tool. <clears throat> um, well, you, uh, uh, a while back mentioned a clock. Yeah. I, I like to incorporate clocks or, or things that allow me to tell time, um, Mainly because uh, in my personal practice, um, I like to time particular types of workings to points in the day. Yeah. You know, um, and I find that that's something that helps me to be more mindful of particular planetary alignments, you mm -hmm. know, uh, other other types of things. And also numerologically, those those numbers that show up on the face of a clock all have other associations. And associations meanings. and meanings, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so that would be something that I, I, I've incorporated into my own personal practice that would be, um, I think maybe like a little unusual, or well, not unusual, but like, no, maybe not as common, right, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, so. yeah and, and, and just to mention this, um, and uh, glue, we were mm -hmm. talking about this too. Mm 
yeah. a lot of people, you know, they oh, glue, what? No, you can use glue for many things. You can use glue mm -hmm. for binding, yeah. uh, for actually uh, uh, getting, you know, getting things back together mm -hmm. how they were. Yeah. And, you, you know, you can, you, you got to realize that everything that is around you, if you're practical, can be used for a spell mm -hmm. or even for a ritual. Okay. I like to use honey. Okay. Um, I like to use honey because when you're dressing a candle, it, it makes the herbs stick very nicely. Um, but also... Not too much the right or Not too much. Device. Otherwise, your candle won't burn right. Your candle won't burn right, yeah. Um, but also, I like to use honeys in, honey in jars. And I said it. I use honey jars. You want to know why? Because honey jars are, are not a closed practice. You were on a honey jar kick the last couple of days. I don't know where the fuck that came from. What? Then, yes, honey jars are apparently a closed practice only used in voodoo, which is incorrect because in voodoo, they don't use honey jars. Uh, honey jars are all over. They are all over in various cultures because honey is found everywhere. Mm -hmm. So shut your traps. Anyway. You know, if some actual voodoo mambo or babalo want to come, come, come forward and talk to me about that, cool. But until then... Yeah, but that would, we would hope that that would be an opportunity for a respectful and, a respectful edu and educational kind of an exchange, right? And, and even then, a honey jar is not a closed practice. No, it's not. How it is crafted, created, and worked might be. Just like how we do particular things, though we may find similar things in other traditions and cultures, how we do it is closed unless you're a part of the coven. Hmm. You know? So, I use honey. And I use honey jars. Um, I use a lot of herbs, obviously. Herbs, oils, stuff like that. Okay. Um, there are plant spirits and spirit allies, and I love them. I love them, love them dearly. Right. Um, one of my favorite things to actually use in magic is... I lost my train of thought. Never mind. I'm done. Okay. Cool. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we've we've discussed tools enough um, for this you know this particular episode. Who knows? Maybe this will be a topic that we can revisit again somewhere down the line. Um, let's 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 switch gears. Um, does anybody want to share anything that they're really loving or hating about witchcraft in our community right now? Um. Well, I'm just going to follow what he said, because this is actually the first time that I'm hearing oh, that honey okay. jars are a close practice. Yeah. Okay, first of all, the Taino people use not, obviously not mason jars, but they mm -hmm. did use honey jars yeah. as offerings. Okay. And also for workings like healing. Okay, yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, also the Orishas, you'd see a lot of workings with honey and honey jars. Mm -hmm. You know, to uh, what we call amarrar. Mm. It's basically like to bring to people like love spells. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. All right, gotcha. You know, yeah. mm -hmm. um, and things like that. So, no. Mm. Who the said that that is know. a close practice? I don't know. Italians use honey jars as well. That's, yeah, they, because, yeah, honey was used commonly throughout the Mediterranean. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so. Well, and you, I mean, even into like Eastern Europe, you've got, um, you know, uh, the Greeks also use honey. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, I mean, you've, yeah, even even like cultures where the people would have considered like, like would be considered like truly like white people. I mean, even they had folklore and stories of like of honey in particular, bees and honey being associated really powerfully with healing. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you well, know, tell that to the Fae. 
Well, there you go. Exactly. Well, people the also have tried to close the Fae because it's only Celtic. And I'm like, no, you're all wrong. Yeah, yeah. Fairy, y'all little yeah. PC warriors need to back the fuck yeah, off. Yeah, Fae and Fairy Leave to the real people. Every, every culture, yeah. in every country. Yeah, there's a type of so. Fae in every culture, like you said. It may yeah. not be called Fae, but that's what it is. So, yeah. Right. Yeah, that's, I've already set, shared what I'm hating. I'm hating, I'm, I'm hating these, I, I'm hating people saying things are closed when they are in fact not. If you're listening and you're offended that I said honey jars aren't closed practice, I really don't care. You want to talk to me well, about it? Cool. But like I said, or unless... contact us, message us, and, and tell us, yeah. give us, give us your story. Tell us yeah. where you're and coming from with that because we are always looking to learn. Yeah. We don't know if, everything. If you're if only you, almost everything. If you're a legitimate voodoo practitioner, then cool, we can talk about that. But um, with the connections I have, their response is the same thing. Like. What historically honey's been used everywhere. Yep, yep, it is. Because if we're gonna go there, lemons are a closed practice, y'all. Fuck off with that. There's Austin's fire. Okay. Well done, Austin. Austin contributed to the episode. Um, right. I, I also want to say something. Please, um, 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 take up. You know, take time and research whoever you're following or you're learning mm. from. Yeah. You know, I've, um, this last uh, two days I've been seeing, you know, uh, uh, like creators and posts and different social media. Yeah. And people are talking so much bullshit, mm. you know, and none of it is accurate. You know, you know, like, you know, how to summon the Fae or, or, or things like that. Mm -hmm. You know, learn from people that have knowledge. And, and, and they know what they're talking about, not because they look cute or because they have a great charisma means that they know what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, every every leader of every cult is usually very charismatic, right? Yeah. So yeah. that's going to kind of lead me into, into something I'm noticing. And it's, it's a similar thing. And I think this is, again, very much just an example of what a double-edged sword social media is because it's given us on one hand as witches, it's given us the means to be able to network and connect and share information. But on the other hand, it has also flooded our communities and our conversations with so much crap and garbage information. Um, one of the things that I would say that would be related, and it has nothing to do or is not as much about the information that is being shared, but I've noticed a lot of, of uh, what, what do they call themselves now? They're not really celebrities, though they like to think of themselves as celebrities, influencers. Uh, again, this is a social media issue primarily, but influencers who are capitalizing on witchcraft practice. Yes. You know, um, you know, either just the aesthetic of witchcraft or what they think is the aesthetic of witchcraft, you know, or actual information that is inherent, which inherent in a component of witchcraft practice and tradition. Um, and they're capitalizing on that. And I mean that literally, like they're, they're, they're peddling that information or putting that out there sometimes as their own, yeah. you know, with the idea like this will gain me celebrity and or money, yeah. you know, um, which, you know, I'm okay with, you know, it's not about, it's not about, you know, not making money or, you know, like you shouldn't be able to make money with witchcraft in your knowledge because, you know, God, shit, that's what we all do, right? We, we yes. work professionally as witches. But, but then you find out that these are people that are like, they're not witches. Like they have no connection to any of that information. They're basically just... Like, you know, like they're, they're selling this, you know, they're pushing yeah. this out there. They're you know, Googling the, it. Yes, exactly. For the shock factor, basically, yeah. you know, like to get the, to get the, the notice. And so, so that's kind of something that I've noticed popping up again that is, is really kind of getting on my nerve. Yeah. Um, so if you are that type of influencer, show me your power. There you go. Yeah. Show me your power. Yeah. 
Yeah, or at least give us reliable resources on yeah. where you learned this and how you gave, gained access to this information. Um, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, we're, we might have to take you to task in some sort of way. Um, I am loving something about our community right now. And this isn't really the community, I guess. Although it is also, it is the community because these people are part of our community. But I'm liking kind of like this new uh, slew of books that's been coming out over the last few months, right? Like we've had some really cool authors and, and people that have, you know, already, many of them have already written lots of stuff mm-hmm. and they've shared their knowledge and their experience. And um, it seems like this year has kind of been a, a nice one for like new information, like mm-hmm. new new stuff. You know, like Laura Tempest Zakroff dropped a new one. Anatomy really. of a Witch. Um, Jason Mankey just came out with the Horned, the Horned God, God of witches. the Witches. I mean, you know, those are just two titles, and there there are so many others. Thorn Mooney's got a new one coming out. Yes, that we're go- that we're going to carry. In, I'm in the shop. I'm excited for that because um, I I read Thorn Mooney's traditional Wicca, and it w- I was like, this is the book I wish I would have had before I started practicing Wicca. Okay. Um, because there's lots of good information in there about what Wicca actually is and how Thorn Mooney and and the circle that she runs with or they run with, I don't, Thorn Mooney is she. I think if you're listening to this, correct your pronouns for me. Well, you can you say that. You can say they. They is always appropriate. They um, they they are all about trans inclusivity. They are all about LGBTQ inclusivity and all that stuff. And um, I mean, you can't meet someone who has done that training because I, I i know the training that they've gone through is it's a grueling process just like any form of initiation it's a grueling process um it's 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 hard work it challenges you every day and and not have a little bit of that edge to you um and so i'm excited for thorn mooney's book edge yes thorn mooney doesn't put up with anyone's bullshit oh yeah okay all right um thorn so. mooney is just a little bit more diplomatic than I. But on top of that, Thorne Mooney also works as, like, a, a, I think a history professor. Oh, like, cool. Yeah, they're all very right. intelligent. Right. Um, right. So I'm excited for all those books that are coming out, too. Um, there were th- well, I, I mean, there, there's a couple. The, the two the titles I named, they're, they're already uh, released. Um, um, there's three that came out on Mediumship that are worth notating that I would uh, like. Um, one is Magical Mediumship, Okay. Uh, another one is just called mediumship, mm. and then there's another one that I can't remember, but it popped up today. Mm. But I, I'm glad that there are like books coming out on legitimate mediumship. Usually, and I think I think all three of these are written by legitimate practitioners. Okay. Yeah, that's that's the thing I like to see is like like these are our names that are, you know, familiar. They're trusted. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not that not that you know they're you know it's. There, you know, there are new authors and new new people coming out all the time, right? And there's nothing wrong with that, right? But it is it is nice to see some of these old familiar, or, or I shouldn't say old, right? More these 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 people experienced. That are, yes, exactly. People that have already kind of kind of proven their experience and their knowledge. It's nice to see them continue to put information out there to support the community and others who wish to learn. So, Storm yeah. and Devin also are having new books come out. Oh, all right. That's Storm Fairy Wolf and yeah. Devin Hunter. Devin Hunter, yeah. Storm okay. Fairy Wolf is having one about is writing a book about magical names. Okay. Um, I like the history and the practice thereof. Oh. Um, and then is that going to be based around the fairy tradition, though? Probably most of okay. the stuff is going to be based okay, around the fairy yeah, tradition. Okay, because the magical naming thing is really big in the fairy community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then Devin is having one about crystals and crystal magic coming up. Oh, cool! All right, mm-hmm. I'm sure people will be curious about that. All right, cool. 
Well, all right, gentlemen, thank you so much for for joining me for yet another episode. I know we were all we were all kind of a little uh more chill for tonight's episode. We didn't really get quite as as rowdy as we often do, and that's okay, right? I think I've that, been that's up all since right. five that's this right. morning. So, yes, yes. So, all right. Does anybody have anything they want to say before we sign off? Uh, no. Thank you for having me. Oh, well, you know, we always love to have you on the podcast. Yeah, Remember, so. there is no easy button in witchcraft. Yes. Yeah, that's, and yeah, do not try and spiritually bypass your healing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all those things that we say. Yes, all those things. And we yes, say. I am a gatekeeper. There you go. Yeah, yeah, we're we're definitely pro gatekeeper. Uh, gatekeeping here. Um, those of you who are listening, um, you know, please, if you you are liking what we're doing here, you know, go in and, and actually follow us or give us a good rating on the streaming service that you are listening to. Share our podcast with people that you think could benefit from the information. You know, we, we come at this each time we release an episode with, um, you know, like legitimate experience, well-researched, uh, you know, kinds of things, uh, you know, that this is our practice, um, you know, and, uh, we try to make sure what we're giving you is, is worthwhile. And, and yes, yeah, so please, you know, if you, if you like what we're doing, feel free to show us a little bit of support. Um, yeah, go ahead. yeah I was going to say, and if you have suggestions for us of any mm-hmm. kind of topics that you would, like us to talk about hey just let us know Con- contact us you can uh, contact us on uh, social media we're on instagram uh you just go and do a search for the salty witches you'll we'll pop up um and uh we are um well you can contact the shop cat and cauldron to get to us on, on some of our other social media feeds we're on facebook as well but i know a lot of people aren't really doing facebook much anymore um yeah so anyway um Oh, one more thing. We will have in the next few weeks. We will have some additional guests um, on the on the podcast. Um, you know, people voices kind of outside of our, our outside of our regular click. So, um, so do look forward to that. All right. I'm um, excited for one of them. Yeah, and we'll be we'll be making that information known as we actually get a little bit closer to those dates. So, uh, just so you know, that's um, they said yes. Yeah. Yeah, and okay. we also have a date suggestion. Perfect. Okay. Well, we will get all of those details ironed out, and I think Vlad is also going to try to reach out to a, a network of his a connection that he's yes, got. That sweet. Is, um, yeah. So, so I we're we're going to have some 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 good diversity here, I think, and some certainly some different voices, uh, different different learned, you know, legit practitioners here. So, anyway, all right. Well, thank you guys so much. Um, we're going to go ahead and we're going to call this an episode. All right. Thank you. Yep. Bye.